I have news for you. God hates you. Says nobody who's a true steward of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you didn't show up here today to find out how upset God is with you. How disappointed he is with you. How discouraged and low down he is with you. How he's like just ready to say, forget it. Why? Because that's not who God is. As we're going to see today later on, God is love. And it's not just a nicety, right? For God so loved the world, the Apostle John said, that God gave his one and only Son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life but a full life. And so we have good news again today. You've had maybe some bad news this week. Any of you have bad news this week? Any of you have discouraging news? Any of you weary with the news that you're in and you'd like to change the news channel that you're in? Every day, every week, of every month, all year long, that message stays consistent. God is love and God loves you. And as we've been looking at in this letter that the Apostle John wrote, he circles back around again and again many a times to that very same theme. One of the reasons I think he turns around to it over and over again is because we so easily forget that the rock bottom of all that's going on in this universe is God extending his love and creating an eternity for us to live in that love. So matter how bad your week is or what's going on, high or low. Some comings and goings, of course, this summer. Looks like there's more comings back uh, here this morning. It's good to see you. Maybe you're online. But I want us to, as we worshiped, let the Holy Spirit truly grip our hearts afresh and anew. Because we live in a world that does wear us out sometimes. And we have to be recharged, re-energized. And once every seven days in this particular environment, we come to be refueled and encouraged afresh again about not God's love, hatred, and disappointment, and discouragement, and His being down on you, but to see His love for you. This letter that we've been in for the summer and more comes out of this book here, God's Bible. And um, it's one of 66 books. It's a letter that was personally written by the Apostle John who walked with Jesus he wrote this letter probably when he was in his 90s, in the latter part of his life. And he saw that Christians then were becoming discouraged sometimes, and so he came back to them time and again and encouraged them not to fall prey to uh, the adversary's work of bringing discouragement. What we're going to look at today is in chapter 4. And in chapter 4, uh, we looked at some things last week, but we're going to do something a little bit different today. I want us to look at this verse that precedes chapter 4 because it's instrumental in understanding the divide that he takes. It says this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 23. And this is his command. Whose command? God's command. To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. There's two things that he positions that we need to be doing. 
We need to believe and we need to love. Last week, we took on this aspect of belief in the context of the false teachings that go on in our culture. We talked about the true and false test and what's true and what's false and that we're in the test zone every day of our life, discerning, is that true what I'm hearing? Is that false? Is that real? Is that fake? Whatever it may be. But the foremost thing that needs to be understood has to do with our belief about Jesus Christ. And so we looked last week at this subject called test the spirits. Is there something more going on behind all the stuff that we hear, even the stuff that we've taken into our own heart and begun to believe that maybe is not true? Is there something more going on in the universe, in the world, in the spiritual world, the unseen as well as the seen, that we need to be dialed into? Last week, we labored through this passage that is the kickoff to chapter 4. What I want to do here that's different this morning is I'm going to do a recap of last week. And you can say a recap, Carrie, you went really long last week. Why do you need to do a recap? Well, I had a decision last week whether I took last week's message and broke it into two and sort of tried to interact with part of it, or if um, we would just go full on, and we went full on. You guys were very attentive if you were here. But I also saw in your eyes a little bit of, can I get a hold of that a little bit better, or can, can you help me with that a little bit more? How many of you were here last week? This, this is not calling you out. See, isn't that true? It's about half the uh, congregation is usually here from one week to another. That's fine, as long as you're watching on the line, right? But um, there's this reality that I can just blow through to the next part of chapter 4, and we've just sort of lost the context for the first part of chapter 4. So if you will, let me do a recap of last week, and then I'm going to do it. I'm going to do an open mic. And I'm going to have an open mic for questions that you might have had from last week that maybe you carried, maybe you watched it online afterwards, or affirmations of truth from last week. And you're saying, wow, that's a curveball, Carrie. I've been at this church a while and you've not done that. I know. It's summertime. Why not do something different, right? And you can stump the pastor kind of thing. I don't know. So I'm going to open it up a little bit for you to ask a question. Or for you to give an affirmation of a truth, maybe God spoke to you about, concerning last week's message, the first part of chapter 4, and then we're going to bridge in to the next verses in chapter 4 as it relates to God's love. 1 John 4, 1. John came out of the blocks real hot on this subject. And he says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into our world. He was dealing with false prophets. He was dealing with people who were teaching false things, fake stuff. But he was seeing that there was something more than the false prophet. There were actually spirits, yes, entities that do not have bodies, that were behind the voices that were being spoken into the culture of that day. In particular, into the Christian faith and undermining the Christian faith with things that were not true 
concerning God and Jesus Christ. Verse 2, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Now, maybe if you weren't here last week and Paul's like, well, that's heavy. Where's all that going? Well, listen to last week, but let me give a little bit of context for this. John was saying, be wise. The true and false test is what you're hearing in this world of God or is it of the Antichrist? Antichrist, there will be a Antichrist who comes in the end time. Scripture is very clear about that if you go back to Revelation, right, and some other places. Even earlier here in the letter to the first, uh, first John, it talks about the Antichrist. There is an Antichrist who will come at the end times before Jesus Christ returns that pushes back upon all that is of Christ. But the spirit of the Antichrist is a spirit that is against the teachings of Jesus, against all that Christ came to do. And that spirit is very prominent in our world, going all the way back to the first century when this letter was written to our 21st century today. God is at work, but so also is Satan. Satan is a fallen angel. Lucifer, an archangel, thought he could be God. He was kicked out of the heavenly realm, seemingly took a third of the angels with him. Those beings have uh, residency on this earth for right now. And they wreak havoc and they work behind the scenes as they did even in tempting Jesus Christ himself. They work behind the scenes to bring out false, untrue, anti-Christ kind of words and teachings. And we sit under it and we say, let me just take it all in. Let me, I want to learn some more. Well, friends, you just can't take it all in. You have to have a discerning heart, a discerning spirit. Whether you're an elementary kid, even a high schooler, a college-age student, a young adult, middle age, you, all the way up to your senior citizen years. We have to listen with a critical ear. Is this of God or is this not of God? All right? And it's up to you and I and it's up to me as I even teach to encourage us to be on that pathway of the true and false test. John's saying here, if you want to test the spirits, the voices, if you will, or the thinking behind it, if they deny that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, then they are not of God, but they are of the Antichrist. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, the entities and the, the false uh, teachers, because the one who is in you, if you're a believer and follower of Christ, is greater than the one who is in the world who uh, is whipping the world around in all kinds of frenzies, especially these days. And we said that the testing of the spirits last week comes down to these two things. To test the spirits behind the voices. One, John's teaching here, that you need to acknowledge or they need to acknowledge Jesus is the Christ. The long-awaited Messiah from the Old Testament that people would wait for as Jewish, that he is the Messiah, the God, he was God the Son who had come in human flesh. Because he was up against people that were denying that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that he was just sort of a spirit entity. And we made mention last week of even some of the cults and, and various uh, 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 religious religions today that, that sort of askew all that. 
And the second thing, though, it's just not acknowledging because even the demons themselves acknowledge Jesus is the Christ, but that you have to confess that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, which means to confess Christ personally, a commitment of one's life to him, trusting in this truth that Jesus is the Son of God, God himself, co-equal with God, one of the Trinity, that he came in the flesh, he walked among us, and if you really do pause, and we've done that before, and we do it during uh, Christmas season, it's one of those kind of blow your mind moments. God became a baby. And God grew up in the flesh. And God died on a cross for our sins. And God rose from the grave, ascended to the heavens, and God and Jesus Christ will come again. The master narrative. John's saying, Test the spirits. If someone doesn't believe in that context of that master narrative, that worldview, then you have reason to believe that maybe, just maybe, they don't have a corner on the truth like they might think they do. So test the spirits. We looked at it last week. We gave this quote from Gregory Boyd in a book called God at War, which is great. He says this, The problem of evil that the New Testament authors grappled with was simply the problem of overcoming it. The problem of the evil we Westerners usually grapple with is the problem of intellectually understanding what we unfortunately rarely seek to overcome. I love this quote because usually if I'm put in this position, sitting on a chair like this, talking to you about the devil and demons and spirit voices that you have to have discernment with, there's the skeptic mind, and rightfully so if you're a skeptic of that today, going, I don't know, really? I don't see it. Okay, that's fine, but have you studied it? Have you looked into the understanding of it biblically? Because you can't go through Scripture, you definitely can't go through the Gospels without seeing that there's a spiritual world there. And the New Testament writers, they assumed that that spiritual unseen world was there. And they didn't spend an awful lot of time trying to intellectually figure it out, like does it or does it not exist and how does it exist? They spent their time over coming it. And I believe a lot of our challenges and problems today, though there's the mindset of the world, there's the sinful nature, the flesh that we have appeasement towards because of our sinful nature, a lot of the problems of the world today exist in the direct on aspect of Satan and his workers seeking to wreak havoc. And they're probably closer than you think in your life. Don't let that freak you out. It's just a reality. The New Testament reality dealt with it, and they would talk about how do we overcome it. Or John here is teaching how do we press back against false teaching because there's voices behind the voices that are propagating error and, truth, and the lack of truth today. All right? We referenced Ephesians 6, one of those passages by the Apostle Paul who just simply acknowledged it and told them in his day, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Is there something more going on? Test the spirits. So, 
you won't be on camera. All you have to do is acknowledge your first name, which would be nice for me. But from last week and what we went through, do you have a question or a, well, you just told me, Carrie, that we shouldn't question election. No, this is our culture. This is our environment. I am more than glad to take on questions in the realm of the spiritual world. And for those of you who are not here or maybe weren't listening online, I've been involved in deliverance work for 35 years, kicking and screaming initially, going, really, I have to deal with this? And it wasn't even as a young pastor that I first started to deal with it. It was because of a friend who was held in bondage a lot in their life and come to find out that the bondage that they were in had to come from spirits that had attachments to them over the course of their life, even from when they were young. So I don't come to you as an expert. I'm a sojourner in it. But this is a reality that we need to deal with because I believe that there are strongholds, that's what they're called sometimes, that keep us bound up. And so part of dealing with that is to intellectually begin to understand, oh, there's a bigger picture, something more is going on. So I'm glad to answer any questions that you might have. Or maybe there's a truth uh, from last week's talk and, you know, keep it focused on what we referenced last week and not veer off on some a truth that's been affirming to you in the spiritual realm of understanding. Churches don't do this. Some of you know that I wrote my uh, doctorate um, uh, project, my doctorate ministry project on this subject. And in the introduction to that, I said that there's two culprits to why we don't have a very good understanding of the spiritual realm today. One is Hollywood because it sensationalizes the things of the spirit realm, right? Some of you would be able to call out a movie here or there and go, oh, yeah, is that what it is? And I gave reference. I, I, I had a talk with my barber who asked me out of the blue, so, you know, are you, do you do exorcisms? I'm like, what? You know, where's that come? But it's like, is it like the movies and stuff like that? No, no, let's get some context here for how it is. So I blame uh, Hollywood for sensationalizing the spiritual realm. Makes for good movies, right? But the other culprit, why we do not have a healthy understanding is the church, because the church does not teach well on this subject. And I know that in teaching on this subject, it's not just a one-way pastor pontificates to the body. It's some interactive things. So that's part of my reason for just parking here for about 10 minutes, right? Pastor Zach's got a mic in the back. Raise your hand if you've got a question on this subject or if um, you have an affirmation of truth in it. And if you can just say your first name, and because of online people, they need to have the mic in your hand. Hello, Pastor Gary. I'm JP. <clears throat> and I've actually been thinking on this subject. So when you accept the Holy Spirit in your heart, these spirits cannot possess you, so to speak. But they can influence you. So you need discernment, right? And those are the fruits of the Spirit against these spirits, right? So I'd like to learn more about how do you know when these spirits are affecting you? influencing you that's that's a good point let me just uh, caricaturize a little not caricaturize but frame up a little what you said i said last week that a christian cannot be demon possessed and that's true because we think in the head spinning and all that kind of stuff however a christian can possess demons they can possess unclean spirits and they can be the new testament word is actually the word demonization they can be demonized all right they can be afflicted and so sometimes that affliction is external all of us fight external spiritual warfare sometimes it can become something that's attached internally 
and you'll have to excuse me for this description of it, but I really do refer to it as a parasite, like someone has maybe worms. You go like, ooh, that's gross. You know, where's it come from? But at no time when you have a cold does somebody say you're cold-possessed. They say, oh, you possess a cold, right? Yes. So in that context, a Christian can come underneath external and internal demonization kind of influences. Discernment comes back initially to this thing, is this of the Lord, did Jesus Christ come in the flesh? There will be times in my life where I feel like I'm being led down the road with a thought, even some, to some degree a voice saying something to me. And I have to bring it back before that testing of the Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, you are in this place. You dwell within me. The Holy Spirit has locked hold of our spirit if we're a believer unclean spirit can't touch that they can mess with the mind the will and the emotions what some people refer to as the soulish part of a being but they can't touch the spirit holy spirit you dwell within me and i just pray that you would speak to me and speak to any adversary who's trying to wreak havoc in my life did jesus christ come in the flesh is this true of what christ would say to me in this moment and so i test my thoughts I even test some of the circumstantial stuff sometimes that's happening in my life. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. You're like, what is going on? This is beyond normal to me. I seem to be in some huge battle right now, right? And so the testing of the spirits for me as a believer is to take it before the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit who dwells within me to give me the wisdom and the knowledge of that. In a time of testing or deliverance session with an individual we will specifically ask a holy spirit to bring forward any unclean foreign spirit that's there and ask the question did jesus christ come in the flesh i won't get into all that now but there's ways to do testing to see if there's some parasitic issues going on i probably jumped way in too deep with that question someone else question or word of affirmation in this whole subject of the spiritual world to test the spirits to see if they're from God. Up on the front row. Hi, I'm Matthew. Um, you were telling a little bit how you got into this. Can you go a little bit more into that story? Because I'm really curious how you got into <laughs> researching this part of it and everything. I come from a very conservative background. The idea that there would be spirit entities that would wreak havoc on people is the furthest thing from maybe what I was taught growing up. I had a friend who was a Christian who actually was studying to be in the ministry, and he was at uh, the graduate school I was a part of. That friend felt there was something happening in his life that was not of God, Maybe it was of God, maybe not. And he asked me to be a part of a prayer session. I joined that prayer session. The people who were leading that prayer came from an alliance school in Toccoa Falls, Georgia. Uh, and they had been trained under a New Testament um, professor who was very well-versed, not just in New Testament, but a lot of the missionary work that happened. And I sat in that session for three hours, and they tested the spirits and found out there were seven unclean spirits. And then when we were finished seeing those spirits cast away from him. There was one genuine spirit left, and that was the Holy Spirit. It rocked my world. Jaw-dropping, I walked out of that prayer tower that night going, oh my goodness, either I have to deny that my friend has ever been a Christian, 
or I have to deny uh, that what I just saw was um, I was hoodwinked. I was, I was fooled in there. And so I had to begin studying and searching, interacting with my friend, seeing his life, seeing some of the changes that happened then, and with other friends, some other people that actually went through uh, what I call freedom work. And so it's freedom um, of entities that can wreak havoc. That's the short version. That was back in 1985. Ah, yes, I'm very old. <laughs> Who? Hi, I'm Jess over here. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, who's got the mic? Hi, Jess. Um, so I grew up in a very, like, spiritually sterile environment, spiritually sterile church that was... Um, I would say more legalistic and kind of discounted the spiritual realm. Like they acknowledged it, but didn't actually interact with it. And they worshiped the Bible and intellectualism more than they actually worshiped God. And since being out of that church, the Lord has taken me through a path of actually acknowledging that the spiritual realm exists and that it is real and active and the Holy Spirit is, uh, someone that you don't need to be afraid of but someone that mm. you desperately need to connect with and I just want to say that if anyone's questioning whether or not like the spiritual realm is actually here and that God and demons and angels are at war I literally had a dream last night <laughs> we have some friends who are adopting a little girl in uh, Nigeria who's deaf and they're over in Nigeria there for an unknown amount of time and since they've been there they've been really sick because the water there is contaminated and some of their food is contaminated and so they've been just having really bad stomach issues and they're possibly considering that their little two-year-old has malaria and um, I had this dream last night that um, their little two-year-old was locked in a really hot car and um, that <clears throat> there were these policemen trying to get her out and they were able to get her out and she was okay but um, the parents came to me and they were sick and they had dark circles around their eyes and um, I took them into this RV that was in a parking lot that was supposedly mine and I was looking for medicine and for food for them and I, all the food that I was trying to find was contaminated. It was old and, and would make them sick. And so the only thing that I could find was vitamin C. And instead I said, okay, I said, okay, here's some vitamin C. Take a high dose of vitamin C. And they're like, okay, that, and that's all I could give them. And um, they messaged me this morning when I woke up and said, please be praying for Harriet. She has 104 fever. Um, we've been doing spiritual battle all night. Like, we've been seeing demons in our room, like attacking her. And we've been praying over her and praying deliverance over her and stuff like this. And I had no clue. I was asleep when this was happening, you know. And I had this dream that she was stuck in a hot car, you know, and that they were sick. And I didn't know the extent of it. And the funny thing is, too, like, it's all the, the craziness is in the details. Like, I had this when I was trying to find food and the food that was contaminated, it was food that all had, like, mayo in it <laughs> which is weird and I was like do I really want to like tell them this like this is kind of is this just my mind like making this up but I said 
you know, the food that I saw in my dream was how all had mayonnaise in it. And they said, oh, that's really interesting because that's Harriet's favorite meal is like tuna sandwiches mm -hmm. and stuff. And I had no clue. And so they're like, we're going to throw out all the mayo. Like, you know, like this is clearly the Lord working, you know. And I had, I'm not like some sort of spiritual giant. I don't typically have spiritual dreams, honestly. Mm -hmm. I've had maybe two or three in the past, but it's like the Lord confirming to me like no this is real and you're a part of their lives and God is using you while you aren't even conscious to give them insight into what is going on in their family and I just want to say like if you're questioning this like even for me and my background <laughs> which was very yeah. legalistic and sterile like this stuff is real yeah. you know and God is God has the ability to use you in ways that you could never think of because that's how strong he is. Like that song that we sang this morning, like he does the impossible. To me, you know, 10 years ago, that would have seemed impossible and weird. Yeah. You know, so Jessica, I just want to encourage you for that, that testimony. Yeah. I think that's in part of why I would just sit here and park because as a pastor, uh, I'm asked to pray for a lot of people, right? You have people that ask to pray for you, and I think we just need to have more of a holistic understanding. Uh, God can intervene and make the sick person well when the prayer is offered in faith for sure. But in Scripture, something uh, of this kind of situation, it appears that when Peter's mother-in-law was healed, it says in the original text that a, it was almost like the infirmity and there can be spirits of infirmity that had rested upon her. The spirit of infirmity lifted from her. And so it should come across our context as we pray for people, for God to bring healing, and we believe in divine healing uh, as God would so lead in his provision. Not that all people are healed because he's, he's bigger God than we are, but that there would be a prayer, an intercessory prayer to say, Lord, if there's something else going on in this of beyond just the natural means, that we pray against that spirit of infirmity and for this sick person to be well. That would be an okay kind of prayer. And that's not getting out in the weird area because usually what happens with this kind of talk, it goes weird sometimes. And that's what we all fear is like, I don't want to go be weird. You come from a conservative background, just like I did. And it's like, I don't want to be known as weird, right? I didn't want to write <laughs> my doctorate project on this because I thought of oh, people think I'm weird on them. Like, but it's been going on for 35 years. I've been working with people in this, this arena. So the issue is for us just to have a real understanding of all the dimensions of our spiritual and um, natural worlds and to be effective in it and God's at work you mentioned the Holy Spirit let me say this one of the most beautiful things I ever experienced whenever I walk somebody through deliverance is we pray at the end and we pray over their life after they've been freed from some unclean parasites right baggage I say they just got rid of some baggage is that we pray for the fullness of the Spirit to come into those areas that had been uh, places of torment or strongholds and then we go back through a time of testing to say, did Jesus Christ come in the flesh? And the answer is yes. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of heaven and earth? Yes. Do you desire so-and-so to be free and to walk in the fullness of God? Yes. And I say, time out right there. That voice that's giving those answers is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because as a believer, the Spirit dwells within you. 
And his voice is clearer and stronger than probably what we give credence for. Oh, I just had bad pizza. That's my indigestion. Or, you know, those are just my thoughts. Maybe not. Maybe the Holy Spirit's speaking to you more clearly in this whole true false kind of thing that we talked about. And he can even do it through something such as a dream. Thank you. A couple more maybe, and, and then we'll move forward. Just a little bit of taste of saying this is an okay kind of subject for us to dialogue, interact on. We're not a weird church. If you're new today and you're going, wow, this is different. I, I'm just trying to teach the whole counsel of what the Lord Jesus Christ and what Scripture is teaching us, especially from something like 1 John. Anyone else? A question or a word of affirmation? Oh, hey, okay. Hey, My name's Chris. I'm actually Jessica's uh, husband. Yeah, and, and I feel like I just kind of got a second part to, you know, the things that, that she was saying. I think a lot of us, especially in Western culture, can um, prioritize or, or, I don't know, um, kind of say that God first, family second, you know, work third or, or you know, whatever. And, and talking about testing the spirits, that's not something that you only do on Sunday. It's not like the spirits come out on Sunday only when the <laughs> pastor is, you know, talking about Jesus or, you know, whatever. But it can be testing the spirits of the news, testing the spirits of the doctors, testing the spirits of, you know, your friend. Like every, I think the, the point, you know, the overarching thing of, of all of this is, is the spirit is always working and the demons are always working too, you know. And, and if uh, I think one of the most, beautiful illustration of that in the Bible is Daniel 10 when Daniel is you know is, is praying for his people and the spirits come and and or the angels come and, and talk if you haven't read that that chapter I encourage you um, to read it but this is something that we test the spirits in every aspect of our life not just when something is someone is speaking about Jesus you know our but our, our health our views on you know a friendship you know all that stuff can be also tested you know in the spirit as well and so I wanted to just give yeah. that encouragement because it sounds like a lot like if you're entering into the spiritual realm like well I have to pray about the news that I'm watching I have to pray about what my <laughs> boss is saying I have to pray about it's like like yes that's the point it's not that you put God aside six days of the week and then all of a sudden praying in the spirit on on the seventh day it's it's just continual living in the spirit um, testing the spirits and, and allowing the spirit to guide you in your words and your decisions. Thank you. Over here. Oh, you just missed one behind you, but that's fine. Hey, Pastor Otto here. Hi, Otto. So um, I'm a little unclear about this. So the Holy Spirit lives in us, right? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. That's why right. Jesus says, welcome into my presence, because he sees himself. So, these parasites, as far as that goes, where are they exactly in our lives? If the Holy Spirit lives in us, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. How is it that can these parasites affect us? I think the way I'm understanding you, like... Uh, the way you explained it earlier. Yeah, and so that's a very legitimate question because that's where it starts to go, oh my gosh, what's going on? I felt that way with my friends and some other people. And um, I'm not an expert by any means on this, but I do know that they can't touch our spirit. If you've invited Christ in your life, they can't go there. I've been in sessions before where I've actually dialogued and found out, nope, we can't go there. But they can afflict what is sometimes referred to as the soulish part of an individual, which is the mind, the will, and our emotions. They can also be in the physical cavity of an individual. Uh, cancer is not of God, but I think many of us uh, know a Christian who has had cancer before. Maybe you've had cancer. That is not of God. We live in a fallen world, sin, the fall from Adam and Eve, right? 
All creation groans as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons. So there's something to be said uh, about the physical body. It will die someday. For those of us who are believers in Christ, we'll get an immortal body that will live forever. So they can be in the physical capacity of an individual. They could also be resting on the outside. They can be in the ferments of the air, but they can afflict the mind and the will and the emotions. And I'll just leave it at that for now. Thanks, Otto. Hi, Pastor Carrie. Um, I'm Sue. Um, my question is, uh, there is a, a whole group of Christians who believe uh, that some of the gifts of the Spirit went went out after the disciples and they no longer exist, like yes. casting out demons, healing, thing like that. The supernatural so, gifts, yes. Yeah, so my question is, how do we still love our brothers and sisters in Christ who believe that way? Is it our job to convince them that, you know, those gifts do still exist and we do still have to battle Satan, um, you know, and those evil spirits? Um, because some just don't even want to recognize that we, we are allowed to do that as Christians anymore. Yeah. So. And, and with that, it's, it's just like my journey. I came out of more of a, a background such as that, and I just, some of the experiences clinically, if I can say that, just exposed me to say, let me go back and re-look at the scriptures. There's nothing in scriptures that I see, and many, many others, that says that the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit, all right, have ceased to exist today. And so I take all the gifts what they are. This issue of deliverance, though, to me, isn't as much a gift as it is taking the authority that Christ has given us and to go into battle. And so my challenge for us and my challenge for them would be this doesn't have to do with anything of some supernatural spiritual gifts. What do you do when it says our fight's not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and evil forces in high places? What are we supposed to do with that? And so I would take them to context uh, if they want to be in dialogue. If not, I'll bless them and then go on their way and we'll be friends kind of thing. But there's this aspect that we got to, we got to own up to what scriptures teach. The reality is if Jesus walked in here today and he'd said, hey, it's good to see you all. How many want to be my disciples? Oh, I do, I do, I do. You know what he started to do with them right away? He sent them out. They didn't sit in a classroom. He said, come follow me. And they watched what he did. And then just a few days after watching what he did, what did he tell them to do? Now you go and do it. And what did he tell them to do? He said, oh, we need to go and proclaim the kingdom of God is at hand, that God's presence, his power is here through me. All right? But you need to heal the sick and cast out demons. If I was one of those early disciples, that would have been a jaw-dropping moment for me going, duh, what? Is there not an apprenticeship I can go through for a couple, three years at least? But he was teaching them that there was authority in him and what he was. And so they would run spooked, uh, the demonic spirits would, because they're like, hey, it's, it's not... Um, we know who you are, Jesus. You're the Holy One of God. So I would say, keep it in the context more of scriptures that maybe you can't agree upon <laughs> and say, you know, what is the worldview that needs to be operative in our life as believers? I have people in the back going, you need to cut it off. The problem is if I cut it off right now, I still don't have time to do the message. Let me take one more, and then 
what I was going to say today. Y'all come back next week, and we'll go from there. How about that? There's another question here. And if you, uh, don't ever hesitate. I'm always open to dialogue and debate and discussion on something. I, I'm not right on things, always. Hi, my name is Kathy, and I'm curious. How do you know if you have demons? And then you touched a little bit on exorcism, how you get rid of them. Maybe you could expand on that a little more. This is why I parked here and why I end up taking a second day. Different people have some different kinds of approaches, and those things are fine. When I was in that first session of a friend of mine who I'd known most of my life, they practiced a technique that came from this passage to test the spirits to see if they're from God. What I encourage people to do is say, you know, a lot of times your fallenness in life is because you're buying into the ways of the world. And you overcome the world by renewing your mind, it says in Romans 12.1. Like kids saying, I want that, I want that, or I know I need that, I need that. And you say, no, you don't need that, need that. You just want that, right? We still do that as adults. How do we overcome the mindset and the ways of the world? By renewing our mind. The second battlefront that we have is the sinful nature. Me, me, me. All right? I love me. Everything in my world centers around me, right? And we don't really fully ever grow out of that either, as much as we can get sanctified or filled with the Spirit and walk in Christ-likeness. What you do if you have battlefronts in the sinful nature is you choose to live in the Spirit. You say no to self. You yield yourself to Christ in those moments. So you had the battlefront of the world. You had the battlefront of the sinful nature of the flesh. But there is a third battlefront, and it is the devil himself devil's not omnipresent. He's not the opposite of God. He was a created being, so he can't be everywhere at the same time. But a third of the angels, it says in Scripture, possibly it references that, fell with him. So the unclean spirits, the dark angels, the demonic spirits are these entities that fell. And so they wreak havoc in this world. And they can have assignments in different kinds of areas. It's a very chaotic world. Those spirit entities can be opposed to God's will in my life. They can like throw a wet blanket over me and some days I'm just trying to fight my way out of it. I can just sense and I say, Lord, lift this from me. Bring me a fresh protection of your presence. In that third aspect of the devil, what we do is we have to directly overcome it. Revelation says, to him who overcomes, I will grant the right to sit with me. We are told as Christians, time again, to overcome the adversary. Our eternal world and what we do, we will rule and reign with Christ. This is boot camp to know how we will continue to rule and reign with him. In that third thing of the devil, there is always opposition. Our fight's not against flesh and blood. For all of us, from an external aspect. If what you're asking is, how do we know or how do you deal with they're no longer external, but they've become internal? Then I go to this testing method to say, if you would like to have a time of testing, then 1 John 4 says to test the spirits to see if they're from God. It's referencing false prophets, but John's referencing the spirits that are behind the false prophets, and it says it's all right to test them. And so in a prayer environment, no hokey weird stuff in a prayer environment of worship and praise literally we will do a time of testing and ask the person to report to us what's going on with you 
what you see, hear, silently, visual, whatever it is. And we will ask questions. Did Jesus Christ come in the flesh? Is Jesus Christ the Lord of heaven and earth? We go through a series of questions that reflect back on this primary question. And from there, if there is some internal battle, an unclean spirit will have to give evidence of itself. The person's head doesn't spin. They don't go off in weird voices. Sometimes if they're in the occult or something like that, I've had some pretty intense kind of backgrounds where they've opened themselves up directly to the spiritual world. But a lot of times it's minor internal demonization issues. And they'll say, this just came to my thought or this and that. And we'll probe into that. If there is something there, we move from a time of testing to a time of deliverance. In that time of deliverance, you're merely finding out what that stronghold is. And then a lot of the work in a deliverance session is really prayer and forgiveness and healing. So if someone has a spirit of murder and we're talking to them and they say, yeah, I hate my dad. You don't know what my dad did to me. I say, hey, time out. We got to walk through this. Because the grounds by which unclean spirits keep their tentacles attached to an individual directly come from the grounds that somebody gives them. And so a lot of deliverance work really is just prayer and seeking God's healing and forgiveness and then you just get to a place where you say, do you have any reasons to stay or any grounds to stay? And an unclean entity will say, no. Will you leave immediately and promptly and go to the abyss and we'll cast them out? Sometimes it doesn't go that quickly, for sure, trust me. But a time of testing is what I've used to discern if there's internal demonization issues going on. And if there are, it's a very sacred moment not this mass kind of public thing in a private counseling time with a prayer worker or a friend we walk through it and we see a person if they're there freed from those unclean spirits and then they walk into it the answer is not deliverance the answer is the lordship of jesus christ time and time again this has been proven true if you're out just trying to hey i need to get fixed up and move forward no it's about the lordship of jesus in all areas of our life and so that's what a lot of the deliverance work becomes. Did that sort of give some context for how we go into it? Wow, I got a lot deeper in all this than I thought I would. I'm going to trust Jesus <laughs> that he wants to instruct you and teach you. I by no means uh, am an expert in this. I've learned a lot through experience. I have some gifts of discernment, but my discernment comes more from the experience I've had over these number of years. I could stay hidden with this work. But I've had some very, very close friends and family members in my life who if it wasn't for a power encounter and them being freed of unclean spirits, I'm not sure where they'd be at today. But because of that transforming work that Jesus did in their life and the glory that was brought to him through it, they have a freedom today. And so I take the risk of being labeled online. I don't even know who watches this later on as somebody that's weird over in some camp because... There's not good teaching on this. Satan is winning some battles. And there's only one person I hate. And that's Satan. And I'm tired of him doing what it says in John 10.10. 10, For the thief comes in the night to still kill and destroy. 
And I see it happening over and over again in people's lives. Yes, they need Jesus. They need to grow in their Christ-likeness. Read the scriptures and pray and be in a healthy church community. But sometimes it's beyond what they're even able to articulate. And it's direct warfare. And we, as believers, need to be mindful that this warfare is ongoing until Jesus Christ returns. He will deal with all the demonic spirits, the beast, the antichrist, be cast into the abyss then. We go into eternity without that evil side of the world. Why were there four people wounded at a baseball game in Washington yesterday? Well, maybe it's because somebody was stupid flying a gun around. Or maybe it's because there's spiritual battle going on in the soul of a person who has no hope. And will we as believers take up arms to fight through our authority we have in Christ the spiritual battles at hand? John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But what's the second half of John 10.10 say? Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. That's why I battle in the spiritual realm. That's why I would risk even taking time to speak on such a subject as this. Thank you. If you have interest in learning more about this, come let me know. I'm trying to figure out how we sort of give some context to it. I believe some people have gifts of discernment. Probably go beyond me. I believe people have some gifts of knowing how to pray over people. When we have a prayer area up here, and if you want to be prayed over, come and pray over. It's not going to be weird kind of thing, but there will be serious prayer. Serious prayer because we believe that Jesus Christ defeated Satan at the cross. We want to be a body, a community of people that deal with the seriousness of sin. And if you're a person who is more inclined to know more about that, um, you can just send me an email, carrie at theawakening.church, or put it on a note and give it to me. And maybe we'll circle up and have some more intense seminar kind of times. A number of years ago in this church, I actually did a whole weekend seminar on this subject. And uh, it was healthy. It was good. Um, like I said, I blame it on Hollywood sensationalizing things, so we don't really have context for it, and the church not teaching rightly on it. And so we're not able to take on. Um, when, it, when, when I say with this, with the test of the spirits, is there something more going on? There, there is, but do we know how to deal with what's going on? With that, uh, I want to invite anybody that is new. Uh, actually, the ushers, if you got the, the offering baskets to take the Lord's tithes and offerings, as well as your Connect cards, um, on the back of your Connect card, maybe, you, maybe that's where you can just write it, um, Spiritual Warfare. Just write Spiritual Warfare on there, and I'll follow up with you. And um, if you have interest in spiritual growth, being connected more in the church, you can play, make uh, note of that. So receive the Connect cards as well as the Lord's tithes and offerings. Guys, just come forward and, and go ahead and take that. But uh, if you're new, I really do. Uh, Melissa and I want to invite you to our home tonight uh, at 6 p.m. We'd love to get to know you more. Promise we won't talk about demons. <laughs> uh, 
But we will talk about the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the awakening church. We are here because we want people to be fully alive in Christ and to his mission. So we'll talk about that, answer other questions that you might have. And then uh, the pool party, I know some people are into that kind of thing, or the block party. Uh, even if you don't want to swim, come and hang out. You get to know some names. Uh, we're going to have a, a type of Kona Ice kind of truck, not Kona Ice, but somebody else that's doing it and trying to get a bounce house there. And we're going to have a little circle up time for uh, worship. Um, and if you're interested in being baptized, uh, please come talk to me. Uh, we'd love to baptize you uh, as you declare your allegiance to following the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? With that, will you stand with me? And I'm going to pray a prayer of protection over you and a prayer of blessing. Palms up, I always say, to receive from the Lord. Now in the name that's above every name, the name by which every knee shall bow in heaven on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray protection over this body, whether they are believers or seekers. Adversary, you have no rights whatsoever taking a conversation such as this and twisting and turning it as you always do and bring confusion and doubt and even fear. And so in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray a protective hedge of the Holy Spirit around each and every person and their family, even from members not here. And the flaming arrows of the evil one are defended off with the shield of faith. And we take the sword of the word and we go into battle to defeat the enemy because you are a defeated foe, Satan. You and your workers have no rights to mess with anyone in this room whatsoever. And we pay, pray, Lord, that through your power and your anointing that your blessing would fall upon individuals, especially maybe those who are challenged and struggled and considering that maybe there's some spiritual warfare in their life. May your blessing fall upon them, loosening any strongholds, freeing them, and Lord, may you give them a powerful dose of your love. Lord, as we were to talk here today, Lord, bring them back next week. May we have a deep and rich and abiding understanding of your everlasting, steadfast love. And may we go in that blessing for your anointing and your name. Amen.